Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This week's episode is brought to you by us at Book Riot. We are giving away a $500, that's right, $500 gift card to the bookstore of your choice. This giveaway is open internationally through November 26th, so you have a while to enter, but why would you wait? Because we're talking about 500 bones to buy books. Go to bookriot.com slash bookstore giveaway, all one word, to enter. That's bookriot.com slash bookstore giveaway to enter to win a $500 gift card to the bookstore of your choice. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 234. We are recording on Thursday, November 2nd. I'm Rebecca Shinsky here with Jeff O'Neill, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. We've been talking on the phone already for an hour and a half for work, so it's just a long, it's just, now we're switching over to, to, to book news. It's, you know... At least we have many, like, literal thousands of hours of talking to each other under our belts at this point. It's just one more. <laughs> just one more hour, just switching gears. Uh, you know, yeah, we uh, start with some follow-up. Are you excited about this? It's interesting, I guess. It is interesting. You know, we talked about it when it happened, um, that... I think it was it was announced only a month or so ago that former FBI director James Comey was going to write a book, uh, a memoir-ish kind of book that was to be coming out in 2018. Flatiron Books got it for, I don't know if we knew the deal. I don't think so. Or not. I don't remember if we know how much they paid for it. But today it has been announced that it will be coming out in May of 2018, which is a pretty short timeline. Like the Hillary book came out in September and you know, the election was just last November. And that is a very short timeline to produce a 400 and some odd page book that is remarkably well written. Um, So this timeline is short, but I understand what publishing is doing here trying to play on Comey staying relevant. We were speculating what the contents of this book would be. And I remember saying, well, Comey is in the Comey business. And this is going to be like James Comey on leadership, not a tell all. And it turns out that we were right. Um, The title is A Higher Loyalty, Truth, Lies, and Leadership. Leadership, and uh, it's going to be about what good ethical leadership looks like, while also sharing some never-before-told experiences from some of his highest-stakes situations. I don't know if I care about reading this or putting money in Comey's pocket. I'm still pretty mad at him. Yeah, um, right. but. It will be interesting. I think it's probably going to be disappointing on the juiciness end of things. Yeah. A lot of sizzle, no steak, I think, is what we're going to get about this. Maybe you'll get a couple of things. Then you have to hear Comey opine about being a leader. Great. Thanks. Those always are super interesting and not at all repetitive. My concern really is they missed the chance for some good titles. Yeah. Do you have a few in mind? Well, I mean, I think Comey Island, it would have been a good one. (laughs) I think mm-hmm. Comey Ishmael would have been good because it's about it's, it's, cause it's about hunting a giant thing that some people consider a giant white thing that some people consider a dick. I mean, you could go a lot of ways with this, uh, really. 
uh, are you looking at a Google Doc of possible no, titles? No, no, I would no, I would. I don't have. Did you? You maybe sent it to me. That thing Megan Amran tweeted about all of the food pun restaurants for the good place. I've never it's really amazing. had a dream job before now, but I do wonder now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Liberty and I have. Or have you been watching the Good Place? I've Can never seen it. I've never it? seen it. I, so, I've heard it's good. I, you, I'm keeping you it in our pocket. And, um, yeah, you guys would like it. It's very clever. It's mm. really clever. Um, lots of punning, and the jokes are delivered well, and the story is very creatively told. Like, um, I think it is the best show that nobody was watching. And then the second season started to premiere a few weeks ago, and there was this like rash of um, TV critics being like, "Everyone should watch mm. The Good Place," and um, and I second that emotion. But the like the running kitsch is that there's this town square in heaven where all the characters are, and every on every episode all the restaurants in the town square are like serving a different, like one different ingredient every time. So like in the opening episode, all of the restaurants serve yogurt. Um, And last week it was pudding and Liberty and I have been texting each other, like the best jokes from each one. And the best one last week that we both had to pause and like stand up close to the TV to catch was panna cotta de vita. (laughs) That's so good. But there is also like I a can't pasta pretend to be better than that. <laughs> to be, I can't. I'm not. No, there's a pasta week that had I did it all for the gnocchi. That's amazing. <laughs> Which is like that's a deep limp biscuit mm-hmm. cut. <laughs> I have to say though, and everyone likes retelling um, a old gambling losses and b puns you made three weeks ago. But you were looking for <laughs> t-shirt line names for literary <laughs> t-shirts, and I have to say I really mm. like something cotton in the state of Denmark. I thought that was good, and I got nothing from their book right contributor slack. No, yeah. no, no one liked it. I, I'm disappointed. I'm I am sorry that that happened to you. Yeah, I know, I know. It's a, it, it's a bad joke, but I liked it. What can I say? But yeah, Megan it didn't Amran. Make it yeah. to the uh, yeah, Megan Amran. She knows what she knows. She doing, knows but, where the, the the bread is buttered. Yeah, but anyway, something cotton in the state of Denmark did not make it to the list of too t-shirts bad. that would be coming. Maybe out for a line of year. Shakespeare. Um, wearables that could be that's a better maybe one. so yeah. I think the first one that's kind of punny that we'll be doing that you can look forward to in the book riot store mm. in early 2018 is um, around Valentine's Day and it's going to have two books looking at each other and it will say ISBN thinking about you <laughs> ah library jokes uh, it's not even a library that. joke so, that's a publishing joke that's a copyright joke yeah, I guess technically mm-hmm all right, so there's everybody. Everybody likes homie, a book pun. Uh, higher, higher loyalty. Boy, I've forgotten the name of it already. Um, it sounds like a Steve Winwood song. It's coming out and in May 2018. To whom? This is like what is it that he's loyal to? To, to, to the to answer J- be that James Comey, Comey, I think, is that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a little side eye, maybe a lot of it. Anyway, would you like to hear about our first sponsor? Speaking of Flatiron Books, um, it is Frankie by Siobhan Plotza. Um, Frankie Vega is angry. Just ask the guy whose nose she broke. Oh man, I like her already. Or the cop investigating the burglary she witnessed or her cheating ex-boyfriend or her aunt who's tired of giving second chances. When a kid shows up claiming to be Frankie's half-brother, it opens the door to a past that she doesn't want to remember. And when that kid goes missing, the only person willing to help is a boy with stupidly blue eyes. I see where this Mm -hmm. is going. A criminal record and secrets of his own. Frankie's search for the truth could change her life or it could cost her everything. This is a moving coming of age story about family and siblings, but it's also a crime novel and darkly funny. It will defy your expectations at every plot turn. 
And Frankie's voice really cannot be contained on the page. The dialogue in the book is laugh out loud, hilarious and moving and very authentic. So if that sounds good to you, you can pick up Frankie by Siobhan Plotza from Flatiron Books. We'll have a link to it in the show notes or you can find it wherever books are sold. You know how I feel about it. Oh, yeah, thanks to them for sponsoring the show. You know how I feel about adaptations. I have Jeff's general theory of adaptations <laughs> is that they can, mm-hmm. I'm all for them. You know, adapt yes. away, do remakes. I like them all. I think do them all. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I am as nervous as I've ever been oh, for an adaptation so of uh, the first thing here. And we're in the very early stages. This isn't the kind of story we normally report on because it's just like thinking about adapting, but <clears throat> it is of my favorite. Um, what I think is the most important novel of the 20th century, Invisible, uh, Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. Um, Hulu is in talks to considering, is developing a series adaptation, which could mean almost anything. It's the substernal chest mm-hmm. pain of, um, of uh, TV adaptations. Like it could be someone took a meeting somewhere. Um, but I guess it's enough of a thing where they felt like they want to do a press release about it. I don't know how this stuff works. Do they leak this on purpose? Is this a scoop? I don't know. Anyway... Um, yeah, I don't know. They acquired the rights. They acquired, um, yeah, but people, rights get acquired. I, I'm, I, I assume that someone had the true. movie and TV rights to Invisible Man. Like, I assume every book you've ever heard of, like, literally, that multiple people have heard of have had their rights acquired at some well, point or another, especially I mean, of this stature. It doesn't say, let's see, does it say who nope. they... No one. No names attached. Oh, no. The rights are owned by the Ralph and Family oh, Ellison oh, oh. Charitable Trust. So it doesn't sound like someone else had the rights and then Hulu went and had to get mm. them from that other production company. Because I, I also am usually in that camp of like, of course, anything as notable as this, somebody who might do something with it someday has already Yeah, there's a subject-verb disagreement. The, ripe, the rights acquired the rights, which is owned. That is suggests a oh, singular, so yeah. it could be talking about the n- novel. I don't know. At any rate, John Callan is serving as executive producer. That's someone at Hulu. No writer, no director. Those things would be fantastically yeah. and phenomenally important here. Mm-hmm. I guess Headman's Tale is your data point that they can do something like this well. Um, yes, yeah. Invisible Man is much closer to my heart than uh, uh, Handmaid's Tale is, though I like Handmaid's and appreciate Tale. Handmaid's, or excuse me, uh, Handmaid's Tale is not as close to my heart. So, I'm not as nervous about it. I think there's something that's easier in adapting a future dystopian novel, whereas um, at this point, Invisible Man is a historical novel. You know, you're going to, this is a historical piece. Um, There's a lot of challenges there. Um, Yeah, there's there's a really rich world to build out in Handmaid's Tale, which is what they've done and sort of imagined other scenes and situations and parts of the world that Atwood doesn't specifically mention in the novel. But Invisible Man is so grounded in Harlem. Like, I mean, HBO did a really nice job with bringing the 20s to life Mm -hmm. in Boardwalk Empire. And I think like that kind of historical set piece can be done. I have a lot of faith in Hulu because of what they've done with Handmaid's Tale as well. But you're talking about historical Harlem. Um, awesome opportunities for a lot of actors for sure. But like my notes in the agenda here where I dropped the link actually (laughs) say Hulu developing an adaptation of Invisible Man. Jeff is now dead. (laughs) Like it's either going to be dead from awesome or dead from sads. And there's like nothing in between. Yeah. I don't Um, know. I'm a, I think actually the, 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 the big middle is actually the most likely of, yeah, that was okay. You know, I, I think it's going to be hard to but make won't terrible. But will sad if it's like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I guess, I, I guess so. Um, it's so compelling, and I think the subject matter will be so, is it's so alive yes. and so relevant still 
right now that there it could be really powerful in the same way that Handmaid's Tale is very alive and compelling in our political climate. There's something also too right that that you're right that it's of course very grounded in in the um, the world of the late 1940s, early 1950s Harlem, especially, but they go, there's scenes in the South, you know, sort of along the Eastern mm-hmm. seaboard. There's also a very, there's, there's a, a patina of the surreal and the uncanny on top of Invisible Man, on top of that groundedness that can go either way sometimes in, in film and TV adaptations of, I don't want to give away if you ever, but there's stuff that happens at the end that you're not really sure if what's going on or yeah. how this is playing out. And they have to make some real decisions that a book doesn't necessarily have to make um, about it. So, I mean, there's challenges like there are with anything, but um, it could be great. There's it really... certainly could be beautiful and amazing yeah. to watch. Um, and there are some really visual oh. or really memorable visuals from the book, The Room with All the Light Bulbs. Oh, the Battle um, Royale. I mean, the Paint Factory, yeah. uh, the True Blood um, mm-hmm. narration. I mean, there's a lot of scenes that will, you know, make for memorable TV watching. Um but it's tough. I mean, it's still, it, it's it st- the book still feels modern in this way, in which it is, it doesn't feel the, the issues it describes don't feel dated, um, right. though the terminologies change and the political landscapes have changed. But some of the stuff around political, the political reality of being black and the culture of reality of feeling black and also trying to be in the world and feeling like you're being, I mean, it's weird. It's um. Bef- the the opening i guess act of invisible man is about gaslighting before there was even a term um right. to describe it right. and so some of that stuff mm-hmm. is so real that that i don't know it's a, it's a much more alive book than i'm trying to think of the other you know like catcher in the rye feels more like a, a period piece now where i mm-hmm. think done right invisible man will not feel that way it will not feel like yeah. a period piece yeah i think it should feel very present yeah. if it's done right and I've been trying to think about casting and I'm just, mm. I think there are so many great possibilities for that lead, but what a weight to, to carry as well. Oh man, um, It'll be interesting to see. I, I hope this comes to fruition. I hope that this is not one that dies in that, you know, just limbo of things that might be developed someday. Um, the moment, it does feel like the moment is really mm-hmm. ripe um, for this particular story to be told to a wider audience. And I love that too, that people would because more people watch TV, um, that people would be exposed to the story and maybe go pick up the book. Yeah, um, definitely. That haven't been that haven't been exposed to it yet. So I think that's very very exciting. Which should be cool. I'm glad that it's going somewhere. I mean, you couldn't do this on like ABC. No, um, no I'm glad no. it's going some to a network with a, or a, whatever you call Hulu a content <sighs> streaming, production, yeah, whatever right, yeah, I guess. streaming service mm-hmm. um, that at least has a track record of not being afraid to touch really big and difficult subject matter. And they've done it at least once very well with The Handmaid's Tale. Mm. So that'll be fun to follow. I guess the other, um, that is maybe more, I mean, that's, it's not even really news. That's more like a newslet, a nugget of news of uh, maybe something <laughs> that would be picked up in a wider circle later. But um, you all know how we feel about that book. Um, but the biggest news, I guess, this week in the worlds that we follow is the announcements of the Goodreads Choice Awards uh, that you can vote mm-hmm. on. I guess that the nominees, the opening round nominees, you and I um, both are interested in and keep at uh, in we abeyance. Pay yeah, we pay attention. <laughs> yeah, um, we're circumspectly interested in the Goodreads Choice Awards, but j- just from a news point, you can go vote now and go mm-hmm. see. 
Um, fiction list is on fire. Boy, it's an interesting fiction list. I, I will say that much. Um, did you read uh, Eleanor Elephant is Completely Fine? No, I did okay. not. People loved it. I just I re- didn't get to I, it. I read it. Uh, oh, yeah? I'm, I'm just now looking. Yeah. I'm not prepared to say anything more about it right now. I, I didn't love it, it but it's interesting okay. anyway, which is, yeah. Jeff speak for I liked it, I've I guess. read, yeah, I've read on this list um, Sing Unburied Sing by Jasmine uh, Ward. I've read that. Home Fire by Camilla Shamsi, which I didn't realize at the time, but is a retelling of Antigone. Oh, um, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the writing is really beautiful. Um, Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng. What It Means When a Man Falls from the Sky by Leslie Nicka Arima, which is really lovely. Um, and a collection of short stories that spans from like stuff grounded in reality into myth into like parable. Um, she does a whole lot of things in that book, and it's really impressive, especially for a debut. Um, let's see. Did you read The Leavers? Those are the ones. Not yet. No, no. I haven't. I just I'm didn't get to, to it in it. time. It's on my Kindle. I haven't read it. Yeah. I've read yeah. Sing and Buried Sing. It, I read Little Fires Everywhere. Eleanor Elephant is completely fine. That's all. That's all I've read so far this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah it's an interesting. I mean, let's really see. The, the Occam's Razor of the Goodreads Choice Award is the one that most people have read, right? Mm-hmm. Which here... Hmm. Sing and Buried... Not Sing and Buried Sing. Maybe Little Fires Everywhere? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't have sales Jeez. data in front of me, so I can't yes. guess other than that. Um, or, you know, Frederick Bachman, because the man named yeah. Ova was so popular. Maybe Beartown is riding that wave, but Could I'm not be. sure. Um, I mean, I've read the first in Kevin Kwan's um, mm-hmm. Crazy Rich Asians um, series and Rich People Problems. The new and final one in the trilogy is on this list. I thought the first one was really fun and smart and snappy. The, the, the New York... The New York pick would be like if you you know ride the F train to work and work in publishing. Mm-hmm. The pick is probably Exit West, right? Like that's the insiders. Pick. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Or Sing Unburied Sing. Ex- may, yeah. yeah. Or Sing Unburied Sing. There's a little bit. There's so. I mean, there's so much going on in that. Hey, here's an interesting thing. I mm-hmm. clicked away from the best fiction list, yep. and when I clicked back to it, the books were in a different order. So they're oh, doing randomized entry randomized list. display. Yeah, very good. Goodreads. <laughs> Ooh, hey. Nice, I like that. It's a more, this is a more diverse starting mm-hmm. list, I think, than we've seen in a lot of past years. The real question is, what does it look like when you get to the finalist? Yep. And like after people vote based on their reading and buying habits, what do you start to see? Um, hopefully, we'll see some shifts there as well. You know, while we're talking about best books of the year, mm. this is not a thing that we typically do on the show. Like, we very rarely do an anti-recommend. Oh, um, but I, you know what's coming. Yes. Um, but we talked so much about this book deal when it happened, and we were both really interested in what the book was going to be about. And I felt like a great weariness wash over me when I finally read it last week. And it so Matthew Weiner's book, Heather the Totality. Matthew Weiner, who created Mad Men and The Sopranos. Um, this is his debut novel. There was a big deal about it. We have joked, um, in addition to being interested in what his novel would be like, we had joked, like, it's a very short book. It's like 140 pages, and it's listed at $27. Wait, were you joking about that? I wasn't cover. joking about that. Was that a no, joke? No, I mean, we had been, no, no, I mean, okay, not joking, but we had ranted oh, a little oh, yes. about the pricing. Okay, gotcha. You know, we poked some fun at the pricing of this very small hardcover novel. So I picked it up last week because it's a new release, um, I think, for this coming... November, I think it's... November, I think it's November 7th. Um, So I picked it up and I was reading it 
this past week. Um, it's, it is very short. It's about a couple who meet, they have a child, the child is kind of their whole world. Um, and then if you just go by the synopsis on Amazon, their world gets rocked when an unstable stranger enters their family life. And for the first 80 pages of the book, you see the couple and you see this unstable stranger and it's not clear how things are going to intersect. And then halfway through the book, you get the bomb that the way things are intersecting is that the unstable stranger is fantasizing about raping and killing the teenage daughter. And it's like very very deeply described. It was not what I was wanting to come across. And just like, really? Can we not? Like, as a plot point, as like the primary point of interest in a book, the tension that everything turns on, can we not make it this, please? Um, it's been picked as one of the big recommended titles from several of the, you know, monthly recommends sites that do things like this. I was very unhappy to stumble on that halfway mm. through a book that I had already given a couple hours of my life to. I would not have picked it up by choice. And I just generally don't want to give my dollars or support to like more stories by men about other men fantasizing, not only about rape, but about the rape of a minor and then killing her. Um, just unnecessary. Mm. And I really had a moment of like, it's not even well written. Mm. Like I very much had a moment of like, the only reason that this person has a book deal is what his name is. Um, and I feel this responsibility, I guess, to our listeners, since we had talked mm. about it several times, that this was a book we were excited about seeing um, to follow up on that. Um, if you want to check it out for yourself, now you know. Um, if you're mad at me for spoiling it, I don't care. Um, it's... Uh, I think pretty ir irresponsible maybe um, is to is not the word that I want, but just not it, it. This is not a book that needs to be. It's not a story that needs to be told. Um, and it was upsetting and disturbing. And there are stories that are intended to be disturbing to like move you in some interesting direction or line of thought. And this seemed like disturbing for the sake of disturbing. There are plenty of other ways to explore like toxic masculinity and the reasons that a man might fantasize about the things this character was. Um, and it just was a hard, it would have been a hard pass for me if someone had warned me. So here I am. So it was a, it was a suspect topic done poorly. That's not a rave review, as I would say. Yeah, no. And like, I'm, I think you, I mean, you know, Jeff, and I think our listeners know, like, I'm really not delicate with my reading subject matter. Um, and we'll tackle all kinds of icky stuff in fiction, but this just really um, rubbed me the wrong way. And I, I was actually kind of angry um, when I got to that, like, this is the book that I'm reading now, I guess. Um, so sorry to bear that news for our listeners. Of course, if you want to check it out yourself, Go do and that. no indication on the cover or anything. I don't even know if you read covers. No, stuff. this the synopsis. Like I looked up the synopsis on the publisher's website and on Amazon afterwards, and it's just like the couple's world gets rocked by the introduction of an unstable stranger. Because <laughs> you can't really be like creepy man's fantasizing about statutory rape and murder um, if you're trying to sell a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, we've talked about. I mean trigger warnings, content warnings before, but you know, it is, it is a problem, I think to, you know, as I, I wouldn't read this book uh, either, but you know, the thing that I avoid at all costs now is violence against children. I can't do it. Just mm. that's not what I'm interested mm -hmm. in. 
trust me, I think about it enough. Let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> I don't need to read a book about it. It does seem like there is a gap in the information transmitted to a reader about a book on the publisher's part. You know, like you don't want to give away spoiler stuff. People care about that. I get that. On the other hand, I think it's reasonable to have some sense of what you're getting into. And I, the, I do understand, like the, the great example of this on the other side is like romance, right? Where the genre is right. built around a certain expectation. Um, and I think that one reason readers like it so much, the people that read a lot of romance, um, is they know what they're getting. You know, they, they understand what it's going to be. Don't at me about, well, can't literature surprise, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? I, I'm of the opinion that you get to decide what you want to read. Um, and it is a weird lacuna kind of in the publishing ecosystem about what can you say to someone? What should you mm-hmm. say? What what would be responsible to say? What is fair to say? Um, what is even ethical in some cases to say about what someone is buying and spending their their time reading? I'm sorry to hear that uh, for sure. But you know, I was um, unrelated, but sort of related. I was listening to um, a great audio book actually last week. Uh, this old man by Roger Angel. Um, long-time New Yorker writer. Do you know that name? Uh, it, you may not. It doesn't matter. I know the name, but I haven't heard the book. Basically, he's 96 years old now, and he's still writing for the New Yorker. Um, <sighs> and you know how I like old men stuff, stuff about old men, but mm-hmm. you know, it's n- nonfiction pieces. <laughs> um, and he has a long appreciation in there of uh, Lolita, which was written in ah. the 1990. His appreciation was written in the 1990s, I think is a 20-year anniversary. And I was like, wow, what a weird... I wonder what happened if Alita came out now. Like, it was Mm -hmm. a scandal at the time, but for related but also different sensibilities than we have now. Um, And when you mentioned the the Weiner book the other day, I was like, it doesn't sound like it's nearly as skillfully as done, but still you've got a lot of the same problems um, about what art can and should do and who is responsible and how is it presented and so on and so forth. Um, But it's an interesting case... A difference in time shifted. Um, Weiner is yeah, no Nabokov. I don't at me about that either. But even Nabokov, <laughs> yeah, I don't I know. Think, I don't know, man. I just don't know. Those, you know, and like I read and loved A Little Life. Mm-hmm. And I think you can tackle really big, ugly, difficult parts of the human experience in literature. That's one of the primary functions of art in general. Um, but you have to be asking mm. an interesting question. Like, it has to serve some purpose. And in my reading of this novel, it doesn't. Right. It Like, it's not torture porn, but torture porn is the best mm. sort of equivalent phrase that I have for it. Like, there's, there's just not a reason, really, that this happens in this story other than if this weren't the tension, there wouldn't be a story. Yeah. Um, and that, to me, is not, like, you can't hang your hat on. No that i don't think um i also think if this book in this form had like been in a slush pile or submitted by someone with no name no name recognition it wouldn't be out in the world um so i'm really disappointed like i have loved matthew weiner's Mm. work i'll you know continue to watch his tv shows um but this was very like not what i was expecting at all having been like deeply familiar with his work as well right um, a surprise. So, I mean, because there are yeah. there are scenes of sexual assault and madmen, and I, you know, mm-hmm. you, I'm sure women and people have experienced with have a different eye than I do. But they were 
and to my eyes, presented in a way that they were problematized and contextualized about what was going on in those relationships. Yes. Specifically, I'm thinking of one scene in particular. We're probably thinking of mm-hmm. the same scene yeah. where it was difficult to watch, but it also described a feature of that relationship and things that happen mm-hmm. in that world. And right. I'm now talking around it, but... You know, <laughs> you, you had reason to expect that it could he could have handled something like that in a in a responsible, interesting, uh, productive kind of way, and you didn't mm-hmm. get it. I'm sorry to say, that. I'm sorry right. to hear that. Uh, so I'm going to go back to this old man real quick. Yes, it, don't listen mm-hmm. to the whole audiobook, anyone, because okay. there's a lot of snips and stuff and assorted pieces from his time at the New Yorker, and I liked it, but I wouldn't recommend it. Doesn't mean it's bad. I just wouldn't proactively recommend it, except mm. his long piece called the title piece, This Old Man, which is a long essay that appeared in The New Yorker about getting old, was incredible. Oh. It was amazing. And if you can get it from your library, especially, you know, and I got a free ad for Libby. I was listening to a Libby and it's, you know, it's called This Old Man. You could go right to the chapter. I think it's about 30 minutes long, but mm-hmm. man, it's incredible. Um, be in a place where you can tear up. Let's put it that way. Oh, oh. This Old Man okay. by Roger Angel. Um, one of the, you know, he's, his to... stepfather is E.B. White. Uh, he's been at the New Yorker oh. since 1956. Like he's, he's a, one of the, he's, he's a kind of a relic of an older world um, and lots of good stories about the New Yorker and baseball and, other, and New York and things like that. Like it's a Venn diagram things Jeff are interested in. So I, that's why I wouldn't proactively recommend it to people I don't know, but I would wholeheartedly recommend the, the I guess, an essay in that collection. So that's one other thing you can do. Let's listen to a part of an essay collection, not to listen to the whole thing, not to pay for the whole thing. Yeah. So, Hey, speaking of listening to parts of things. Yes. What am I doing? <laughs> you just, you teed me right up audible. And Oh this yeah. Week, well, I didn't even see that. Boy, I wish I could service. take credit. That is just how smooth that segue was. <laughs> um, you didn't even know you were segueing, And yet segwaying. here we yeah, are. Right. On the next story, um, they're Audible's launching a special service for romance readers. They are using data mining and machine learning to figure out exactly what individual customers want and to get it to them faster. So they have um, featured categories, including Regency, Immortals, Thrillers, Romantic Comedy, Small Town, Modern Royal, New Adult, a whole bunch of other ones. Um, you can select those uh, to find audiobook romances that, you know, are going to fit your flavor. They also, and I think this is the best part, um, allow subscribers to, um, there's a special feature called the steaminess score Mm -hmm. that lets you filter books by their graphic content, which is also useful and interesting. Romance readers differ a lot and everybody has a strong opinion about like how steamy steamy should be. Um, and then this is, I think the most interesting and kind of delightful, the take me to the good part Mm -hmm. feature. And that's what it's called. Take me to the good part. That lets them jump to pre-selected scenes. You can figure out which ones um, within certain criteria. Um, and so the, this piece on The Verge about it says, like, it sounds like Audible has bookmarked the sex scenes, but the feature is actually pretty nuanced, and it involved studying user habits and tastes. Hmm. Um, so Take Me to the Good Part highlights 10 different categories, actually. First meeting, flirty banter. Oh, my screen just jumped. Um, sexual tension, first kiss, I want you, trouble in paradise, it might be love, declaration of love, and proposal, as, where, as well as sex scenes in the category for that is called hot, hot, hot. And if you are a romance reader, you know like those 
10 categories are kind of the 10 major points that a romance mm-hmm. novel, that most romance novels hit. So basically you could just skip to where things happen mm. in the book and and miss the, um, you know, pass over the exposition. and Or you hate, you don't like meat cutes or something. You could just skip that. Just, you right. know, I want to get on to you the next You could skip section. the meat cute or like wow, all the really moments amazing. that the women spend. Like in Regencies, they spend a lot of time like in carriages, riding in between yes. different people's manners. Right. And so you could skip through the ride and the um, heroine talking to her sisters or whatever and just get to the dinner scene with the flirting and then the makeout, um, which I think is actually kind of great. <laughs> it, it's fascinating because we were just talking about romance as a um, writ large as a, I don't know, mm-hmm. a playground of the knowable for reader pleasure, right? Yeah. And this is right. that writ large, which is you don't even have to mm-hmm. pick the genre or even the subgenre. You can we're they're putting a, a, a lattice in place where you can just do the parts you want to listen to, mm-hmm. which is yeah, amazing. Uh, I mean, I, this it's, I would never read this way, but it's, in terms of serving what people want, it's kind of remarkable. Yeah, and I think it's great, and the tech behind it sounds really interesting. Um, they mentioned you know use of machine learning. So what they did was to create these ten categories. They made an algorithm that scans for keywords yeah. that are associated with those kinds of moments. So like blush is often a keyword when flirty yep. banter is happening. Kiss and embrace, obviously for first kiss. Mm-hmm. Ring for a proposal, um, and then you know anger, other recrimination co- for sure. the trouble in paradise parts. Yeah, you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or um, there are, you know, buzzwords and like there's sort of different popular words for sex and for body parts that seem to go in and out of vogue in in romance writing. So they probably put a bunch of those in, too. So you can scan to get to um, to get to the good stuff. But I think this is delightful. Like if it had only been jump me to the dirty <laughs> parts, I would have thought that was a great tool, but that it can jump you really to the highlights of the plot. Um, and you could follow the whole arc, but skip exposition for romance. Sometimes like I'm, as you have said, the weird duck of romance readers where it's, it's not a cornerstone of my reading life, but it's a part of it. I read maybe a romance every month or two. Um, and there are points where it's like, I've had a long week. I like, all I want to do is read something that I know exactly how it's going to turn out. And the only question is, how do they get to that ending? And I will sort of skim over the everybody's in the carriage, you know, or they're like, they're, they're all dancing at some ball again mm-hmm. <laughs> like, to just to get to like, when is the next moment that something's going to happen that moves the story forward? Um, I haven't ever listened to a romance on audio for some reason. Like, that's a thing that makes me feel a little... I guess I feel a little bit prude about listening Mm. to a romance. Um, But I would love to hear from some of our listeners. If you use Audible or audiobooks in general to listen to romance, would you use these features to jump to the good stuff? Longtime listeners of the show will know that Audible has actually figured out something that's been a problem for romance, um, at least on the delivery side of. This is an unlimited audiobook romance service that Audible is launching, kind of bearing the lead, right? I actually think mm-hmm. from what we've learned, that maybe is harder than the machine learning to jump to um, because wasn't it our, our good friends at Oyster back in the day had to kill their romance uh, feature, or their romance catalog because romance readers were s- listening to so many and the deal they had struck with publishers were basically putting them out of business. Um, Audible has different kinds of leverage, um, but the, the, the deal I just looked at is $7 a month for unlimited romance 
um, thousands of titles. Oh, I, wow. I, that's, again, I don't know enough about the genre to know if you're getting some of the big ones, you know, if you're getting Avon titles and so on and so forth, um, just to name one that I do know. But the business model of Unlimited Romance for Romance Readers is mm-hmm. a long, it's the El Dorado of uh, uh, audiobook subscription yeah. services. And we'll see. We'll see um, if the yeah. product is good enough good and they'll them. get it figured out. Um, speaking of uh, services, figuring it out, Casper, you spend, well, I wish I spent. Do, you, as, do people really spend a third of their life sleeping? Eight hours a, at some point. You do. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, um, if you spend. I'm a disaster otherwise. It's true. That's another thing. I don't know. Maybe more people are weird about sleep. Um, I'm a disaster all the time, so it's unpegged to my <laughs> sleeping. You spend a third of your life sleeping should make it good, right? Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize, revolutionize, that's not a word, revolutionize its line <laughs> of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. They've got three mattresses perfectly designed to soothe and cradle your natural geometry, the original Casper, the Wave, and the Essential. The breathable design helps you sleep, cool, and regulate your body temperature throughout the night, unless you want it to heat up a little. That's up to you. And it's delivered right to your door in a small, how do they do that sized box with free shippings and returns in the US and Canada. The best part is they can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100 night risk-free sleep on it trial. Sleep on it, don't sleep on it, try it. Just whatever you're doing, you can try it on the (laughs) Casper. After all, you spend one third of your life sleeping aspirationally, so you should be comfortable. I guess if you're spending six hours on there, you should be even more comfortable because you don't get that much time. Uh, there you go. So start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash bookriot and using bookriot at checkout. That's casper.com slash bookriot. Offer code bookriot, all one word, for $50 off your mattress purchase. Terms and conditions apply. I have to say that. They told me I have to say that. I don't know what the terms or the conditions okay. are. Nor what the difference between a term and a condition is. But there, there are some. Are, and is a apply. term not a condition? I don't know. Is it, is, are there, there are subsets of some other category encompassing both terms and conditions. Anyway. There we go. <laughs> ah, now on. we're having Let's fun. We're, we, we skipped around. <laughs> oh, uh, For those of you like me who are interested in, I'm, I, I think my new um, Lisbeth Slander book is on hold at me, for me at the library right now. Mm. Um, two years ago, David Lagercrantz cooked the late Steve Larson's Mandel Continuum Millennium Series, which started with the international bestseller Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. He's written two... Um, but his fingerprint on the series will live beyond the books. It's going to be 20... Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped down. Uh, da, 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 da. What's, it, what's the title? There's, no, there's one more Salander book coming from Lagerkrantz. That's, that's the lead, right? That's what's going to mm-hmm. happen. So there's one out now. There's one more, and then he's done for this particular one. Um, Do you think then there will be another new writer? Because aren't there supposed to be 10 well, I don't know if we ever learned that that 10 that Larson outlined have anything to do with the books that are being produced now. Like, I don't know if they're going off some sort of oh. master plan or not. I've never heard I either just way. assumed that they were, but you're right. We don't actually know that. Know. If someone knows differently than Lager I do, Krantz please... just like picked yeah. up the characters and went for it. Uh, if someone knows differently than that or, or can cite a difference, either uh, affirming or uh, countermanding that idea, um, please email us, bookwriter, uh, excuse me, podcast yeah. at bookwriter.com. Um, but the books are selling. Like, I don't know what mm-hmm. his deal is with them in terms of price. Um, it seems to be selling well enough to continue the viability of the franchise in the future. Um, anyway, so th- that's that's it. That's what's going on. 
um, I don't know. I haven't read the second one. I've heard it's about like the first Lagerkrantz one, which is a capable, satisfying, not revolutionary take on the character mm. and world, which uh, I guess that for me, is that is that... I mean, people define comfort reading in different ways. I mean, that's comfort mm. reading for me and that I know what I'm getting, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So whatever. That's, uh, I don't know if I'm sad. I guess it's telling that I have not much of a reaction, right? This non-reaction is telling. <laughs> yes. The, I don't know what my feeling is, the non-feeling. The non, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Absence is a presence. Um, that's, uh, it's not like finding out that Dan Brown is never writing another book. Now, Rebecca. You, I need that to would be... How am I going to sleep my six hours tonight with that in my head? <laughs> I don't like that. You hurt my feelings so you can have with like that. Dreams of I, I, my feelings are hurt too. That would be the saddest day. That's my comfort reading. I was sitting here like, what is my? It's I'll pick up a romance or like something like Dan Brown, where it's just going to be a caper and there's no like real stakes mm. and. I won't have to work for it. Superhero, superhero trade is, paperbacks yeah. of comics and Dan Brown. <laughs> right. And yeah, mm -hmm. the Elizabeth Solander. I like an Agatha Christie. I've been slowly working my way through uh, the complete Agatha Christie backlist. That's comfort reading for me of late. That's fun. Yeah. When I get really cooked, though, I just watch like 17 episodes of Parks and Rec. <laughs> I watch Parks and Rec like while I'm falling asleep almost every night now. Like it's just kind of on. Though I only do seasons two mm -hmm. through five. I'm sure there are other people that feel well, similarly. God. Yes. Brandanowitz yeah, is the you worst. can run your personal. Yeah, I had a rough night a couple weeks ago, and I did the highlight reel of um, the Pawnee Rangers episode. Oh, the camel! I love the, the camel. Camel, yeah, that's good. Pawnee Rangers, the because um, Pawnee Rangers is the episode where they first do treat yourself, and and it has puppies, um, and the little Sebastian funeral episode yeah. and about halfway yeah, through that one i was like i've made a terrible mistake and now i'm just gonna cry <laughs> michelle and i hands down <laughs> bar none believe that episode 13 of season three the fight is the single best parks and Rec uh, episode so good it's so good um yeah i also really like the one where Anne gets committed to making april be friends with her <laughs> that's good though in season two the hunting trip i think is in my top five also an excellent episode mm -hmm. anyway now we're in parks and rec fan fiction <laughs> Um, it's probably time to wrap time this for us to up. go you guys thank you so much for listening you can find show notes to this and all back episodes of the book riot podcast at podcast at bookriot.com we want to hear from you about if you know about if we've been told about the the master plan for the millennium series also called the Salander series also called steve larson series we got it we need to, we have namespace pollution going on here um if you know more about that also i would definitely read your top five parks and rec episodes if you wanted to email those to us oh yes um for, for science, we would need that. Uh, thank you so much to Casper. Go to casper.com. Use offer code BOOKRIOT for 50 bucks off. We do have that $500 giveaway um, to the bookstore of your choice. There is a link in the show notes you can find there. Also a link to a show notes to Frankie. Thanks to them for sponsoring the show. Frankie by... Uh, what You said the name, so you practiced. What was the name? Siobhan Palazza, Boy, okay, good. Looks good. Um, uh, nose breaking... A, no, a nose breaker. Female lead. I mean, that's that's all you need. Three words, uh, a mm -hmm. short sentence. Moxie. <laughs> Moxie. Uh, I will talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. Mm -hmm.